Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And please visit the website and give them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. To find out more, visit the website, lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be talking about education in Florida. Michael Cannon is the director of of health uh, studies at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about drug reformation. Big paper that was just released. It's not going to make a lot of people happy. And Seton Motley, he's the founder and president of Less Government. Look forward to our discussion with him. He wrote a column about the Supreme Court, but I hope to talk to him about Section 230 and the uh, suppression of news that's going on with the mainstream media and the social media. And we'll visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will join us as well. It is October the 22nd, and on this day in 1957, military personnel suffered their first casualties in the Vietnam War when 13 Americans were wounded in three terrorist bombings of Military Assistance Advisory Group, a U.S. information service installations in Saigon. The rising tide of guerrilla activity in South Vietnam reached an estimated 30 terrorist incidents by the end of the year, and at least 75 local officials were assassinated or kidnapped in the last quarter of 1957. So going back to 1957, the Vietnam War, all this because of the idea of uh, the communist China taking over Vietnam. The casualties were just unbelievable. And what did it last? 17 years. Uh, first casualties on this day in 1957. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 46 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Cuyahoga County on Wednesday. There are 27 in the hospital, so again, the curve is flattened. Uh, we can only pray that this will continue, uh, meaning uh, fewer cases Uh, because we've seen an escalation of cases around the world, what they're calling a second wave. Well, more Collier students are heading back to school campuses this quarter. Nearly 4,700 additional students are transitioning from virtual learning to on-campus instruction. That, according to results from the school district uh, survey, they, they had to respond. Parents had to respond by last Friday at midnight. A survey sent out last week to parents with students in the Classroom Connect and High School Flexible Model allowed them to select if their child would continue in virtual learning or return to campus for the second quarter. The number of students on campus will increase to 31,564 this quarter, that according to survey results. So that's very pleasing to me. I must admit, I was a little skeptical of the model that the Cuyahoga County School System set up, but it gives the parents flexibility to decide if they want to send their kids to brick-and-mortar schools or keep them in virtual learning, and more parents are getting more comfortable. With sending, I think it's about 75% of the kids that are going back to school now as opposed to virtual learning. I want to give a little shout-out to Reg Buxton, who is the publisher of uh, Life in Naples magazine. He started this effort to uh, regulate noisy leaf blowers in the city of Naples. Well, that finally was approved. It'll take effect in 2021. But if you're like me, you don't like these weed whackers and uh, leaf blowers that are so loud and and quite frankly pollute the air. So uh, they're going to require some quieter uh, 
quieter uh, machinery in order to blow leaves, and uh, hopefully they'll do it with weed whackers as well. It's, uh, they're limiting uh, it's, uh, the noise level to 65 decibels. Good, good news. That's only in Naples, though. I don't know if they're going to do that in Collier County. Two new peer-reviewed studies show a significant decrease in mortality among people hospitalized with the coronavirus. We find the death rate has gone down substantially, that according to Dr. Leora Horwitz, an author of one of the studies which looked at thousands of patients from March to August, discovered that the mortality of coronavirus patients dropped by 18% since the start of the pandemic. The study also noted that patients were uh, from having 25.6% chance of dying to 7.6%. That's a big drop. In order to determine whether the drop in death rates was primarily due to improved treatments or younger and healthier people contracting the virus, the team looked at 5,000 hospitalizations, and uh, what they found is that the uh, drop in the death rate is pretty even among all uh, age groups. Surely good news. A recent report in Florida showed that over 40% of the state's COVID-19 deaths may not merit classification for coronavirus. That, according to Dr. Andrew Bostom, uh, he's uh, at andrewbostom.org. In any event, he discovered the aggregate mortality rates plausibly that are to 45% of Florida's death certificates recorded COVID-19 deaths may not merit that classification. I certainly, a lot of the deaths that are classified COVID-19, woman 97 years of age, it, a lot of it could be old age. It could be some of these people are in hospice. What's going on with that? Anyhow, it's good to have it finally noted and uh, scientifically proven. 45% of Florida's deaths, they're not COVID-19 caused. Last uh, Yesterday, Linda and I watched The Plot Against the President. It's a documentary. You can find it on YouTube. It is, if you really want to understand everything that went on with regard to The Plot Against the President, I'm talking about uh, oh, the, the, the effort to try and get him to, uh, to pull off a coup against the president, actually since the first day of his presidency, this is the story to watch. It is terrific, and you can pull it up at no cost on YouTube, uh, The Plot Against the President. Highly recommended. Well, tonight is the final presidential debate. One of the topics scheduled was to be foreign affairs, but nope, they're not going to do that. The president, of course, has been nominated for four Nobel Peace Prizes for what he's pulled off in the Middle East. Well, well, so the commission wants to avoid that area, and they're going to be talking about other areas. Clearly, uh, this whole thing, the is the debate commission, is so biased, and it's, it's biased against the president just about every way you can talk about. So in any event, he'll be there, and I'm sure he'll talk about a lot of things. For example, this bombshell story about Hunter Biden. Last night, President Trump was in Gastonia, North Carolina, with thousands and thousands of supporters, estimated about 20,000. Uh, former President Barack Obama showed up in Philadelphia. <laughs> about 50 cars showed up. Uh, in fact, he went up to a group of people. I'm not sure they recognized him because they went on with their business and didn't even acknowledge him <laughs> as he walked by. So may have been because of his face mask. Well, here's the story. A whistleblower CEO and Biter insider, Tony Bobulinski, released a public statement uh, yesterday backing up the reporting of the New York Post from last week and claiming that he personally witnessed Democrat presidential nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden, discussing business deals with his son, Hunter Biden. Bobulinski is the person who, whose allegations and inside information are the centerpiece of forthcoming investigation by the Wall Street Journal. 
the Wall Street Journal story has not yet been published. Now, why is that? Are they holding it until after the election? Well, in any event, uh, several days after the newspaper staff indicated to some that the piece would come out, it's unclear why the journal has not yet been published the story, but President Tr Donald Trump hinted on a conference call earlier in the week that such a story was coming from the newspaper. Bobulinski said in a press statement that he released Wednesday night, My name is Tony Bobulinski. The facts set forth below are true and accurate. They are not any form of domestic or foreign disinformation. Any suggestion to the contrary is false and offensive. I am the recipient of the email published seven days ago by the New York Post, which showed a copy to Hunter Biden and Rob Walker. That email is genuine, he says. Bobulinski's statement would be the first on-record confirmation of this from a source in the Biden universe. And Bobulinski went on, and his statement you can find is a complete statement. This is just an excerpt. What I'm outlining is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I am the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through the CEFC Chairman Yi and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO of the James by James Galar and Hunter Biden. The reference to the big guy is to the most most uh, published publicized May 13, 2017 email is, in fact, a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB is his brother, Jim Biden. I, he said, goes on <clears throat> uh, talking about his own credibility. I'm the grandson of a 37-year Army intelligence officer, the son of a 20-year-plus year career naval officer, and the brother of a 28-year career naval flight officer. I myself served our country for four years and left the Navy as a Lieutenant Bobolinsky. I held a high-level security clearance and was an instructor at the then CTO for the Naval Nuclear Power Training Command. I take great pride in the time that my family and I served in this country. I'm not a political person. What few campaign contributions I've made were to Democrats. I would ask the Biden family to address the American people and outline the facts so I can go back to being irrelevant and so I can not put in, be put in a position to have an answer to the questions for them. I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain, and I grew concerned about what I saw, and the Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars for foreign ent entities, even though some were from communist-controlled China. God bless America. He finishes up his statement. So this is not Russian misinformation, as Adam Schiff, or as President Trump referred to him as watermelon head, as he claims. Uh, well, the question is, will social media and the press suppress uh, th this information? I suspect that they'll try, and they will. In the meantime, the FBI subpoena of a laptop and hard drive purportedly belonging to Hunter Biden came in connection with the money of a money laundering investigation in late 2019. So that's how the FBI got the uh, laptop. They have another investigation which may going, be ongoing. Of course, the FBI cannot comment on an ongoing investigation. Well, I don't know anything about the work that they do, and I'm just a layperson, but just based on my mental map, I raise the question, could they be slow-walking this process until after the election? That's a concern that I have because there seems to be a lot of slow-walking going on. I don't know, it seems like uh, the, this information could be very damaging to Biden and the Democrats, so why are, they, why are they conducting themselves in this way? Former Hunter Biden associate in fear for his life, Bevan Cooney, was moved to a more dangerous facility after leaking emails to conservative journalists, reportedly turning over 26,000 business emails to the journalists uh, Peter Schweitzer and Matthew Timand. So again, uh, he has some concern for his life. 
This story is going to be exploding, and somehow, some way, even social media uh, can't quiet the storm. I will have so much more I want to talk about today, but I'm going to have to move on to my first guest. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. To find out more, visit lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, we're going to have Van, Reverend Van Ellison on the show tomorrow from St. Matthew's House. Big things going on to help folks who are uh, in need of food and shelter and uh, help, and uh, they just do a great job. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, and now building a brand-new performance performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's the director of uh, health studies at the Cato Institute. Lots of big news there. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, the co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. 
morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a uh, <coughs> excuse me. We're a not-for-profit organization that uh, been in existence, I guess, for uh, since 2013. Hmm. Uh, we focus on K through 12 education reform, and to us, that means really strongly advocating for. Um, parental choice options. We have some really great options here in, in Florida with our scholarship programs. Um, most people might call them vouchers, but they're scholarships here. And then we also fight to stop the indoctrination uh, that's taking place in our school system. So those are the two major efforts that we uh, we focus on. A big, just and so successfully as well, for a young organization, uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance has terrific influence in Tallahassee with the Commission of, Edu Commission of Education and with the governor, just really salute you because you're not advocating for anything but what's best for kids in Collier County schools, and I really appreciate the, the work that you're doing. By, by the way, I served as a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance and very proud of it as well. Before we get into education, though, I would like to, I know that you've been very active with regard to Collier County and the mask mandate. I think the Collier County commissioners are meeting today to discuss that. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, they are meeting at 3 o'clock. Um, they had the opportunity. Um, last week was their normal meeting, and uh, th and Bert Sanders seemed surprised in that meeting. Uh, he thought that uh, they were going to have another meeting before, uh, a formal meeting before the mass mandate ran out, but it runs out on, the, on today, on the 22nd. And so they they had the option just to let it die, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. It was set to, to uh, expire uh, today, and they decided uh, yesterday we got notification that they're holding a hearing this afternoon at 3 o'clock, which means they're going to try to extend it, um, would be my guess, best guess. Yes, unfortunately. Now, we've seen the level of cases go down, but of course, the the focus has always been not over overwhelming the health care system, which would be the hospitals. There's 26 or 27 folks in Cuyahoga County Hospital with COVID-19, so there's, they're far from, in fact, those hospitals, they need more business, quite frankly. So um, what's what would be the logic for continuing the uh, face mask requirement? Well, I don't th I'm going to be blunt. I don't think there is any logic. I think now it's ego on the part of the three that it took him four tries to get it put in. Mm. Uh, you remember uh, on the fourth try, Penny Taylor flipped on on what I believe was some very flimsy uh, logic. Yeah. Um, and so she flipped. And, and so now, you know, the uh, positivity rates are way down below 5%. They told us when they did it that if it got down below 10%, then it would need to <coughs> continue. Um, there was an interesting study that came out from the CDC a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it. Of course. Uh, they, they, took 2000, they had 2,000 people that had co contracted COVID, and they surveyed them to see if, oh, what their mask usage was. And 71% of them uh, claimed that they had used their mask 100% of the time when they were out 14 days before uh, being diagnosed. Yeah. Another 15% said they used it most of the time. Yeah. So 86% of the folks uh, who contracted COVID uh, were heavy mask users. Yeah. Uh, so tell me again what the value of the mask is. Well, now they're changing the narrative. Now you you wear the mask for other people's welfare, not for your own. <laughs> yeah. It's changing yeah. the story. It's unbelievable, uh, Keith. So it, it is truly ridiculous. Now, uh, are you going to go to the uh, hearing today? 
Yes, I'm. I'm. Uh, I've already registered to do it online, but I'm going to go in person. I, I just do it both ways so that I make sure that they have some screwy, screwy rules about who can get in and actually talk. So I've registered to do it online, but I plan to be there in person. Outstanding. As well. Is Alfie Oaks going to show up? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to Alfie in a couple of days, uh, so I don't know if he's going to be there or not. All right. Well, he of course he owns a seat to table, and he's a very outspoken critic of the of the man. He said, "You see, I've never noticed that, Bob." <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather rather wear handcuffs than a mask. He said. Yeah. <laughs> in any event, right, let's move to a Florida education. I understand there's been a, a big movement towards. Well, maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, um, we've talked about it on your show a number of times, and a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned the fact that uh, Lee County uh, was trying to uh, institute the whole month of October as LGBTQ plus history month. Yeah. Uh, and the day before they were scheduled to vote on that resolution, we reminded them aggressively that if they did that, they would have to notify all 96,000 students and their parents in Lee County that they were now eligible for the HOPE scholarship if in fact those parents were concerned about the threat and indoctrination of that that resolution. Yeah. Uh, they blinked and withdrew the resolution. Um, we've then followed that up with a press release and, and a, an email blast to all of the, the uh, school districts in Florida. Uh, since then we, we've learned that on October 6th Sarasota actually uh, passed that resolution, but now we have a whole bunch of parents up there that are, uh, in fact, I got a call yesterday, we have a parent who's organizing a whole group of parents, and this ties back, back to the mask mandate. They believe their, child's is, their children are being threatened and li literally physically and mentally abused by the mask mandate in the schools, yeah. so they're going to use the HOPE scholarship. Uh, they've got a whole bunch of them that are going to sign uh, the notification form and press the school district on removing it or, or they get to send their kids to a private school. So that's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And uh, over in Martin County, which is over just south of St. Lucie County, um, we got into a, a, the same situation where on Monday we learned that they were going to be passing a resolution uh, and a, uh, a proclamation the proclamation was designed as specifically f to extend the whole month of October as LGBTQ month. Uh, good news is the uh, proclamation was defeated. Uh, only one person ended up voting for it. They did pass a diversity um, resolution. Um, and I don't want to get too detailed, but back when Parks Parkland happened, uh, the, the, the state legislature, in my opinion, way overreacted. And some of your readers or listeners may remember that they passed a $50 million uh, part of that bill for mental, uh, mental illness. And, and uh, that's kind of morphed into this whole diversity uh. Uh, area, social emotional learning. So, uh, you know, we've still got a lot of work to do, yes. uh, but we're, uh, we're, we're getting some visibility. And, and this is a huge opportunity for people, parents who said, hey, I've never heard of this Hope Scholarship. Wow. Yeah. All right. So. And, what the, and Hope Scholarship just allows a parent, if you feel in any way the child is being threatened or perhaps bullied uh, by anyone in the school system or the school situation, uh, they can simply file a claim, and the, there's no investigation. They simply have to acknowledge and uh, give the child the right to have a scholarship to go to a school of his or her choice, and I'm talking about the parent's choice. So, uh, Keith, I just want to just acknowledge the work that you are doing uh, a lot of this is happening because of the Florida Citizens Alliance, 
And uh, there's too much indifference with regard to what's happening in education. A lot of parents, a lot of folks, taxpayers, don't have kids in school, but they should be concerned because uh, the, you know, you've corrected a lot of wrongs. You've made them right in the Florida school system, but there's a lot to be done. So give us your two web websites. Yeah, we have a, a brand new website for parents. It's called libertyscholar.org, libertyscholar.org. And then our uh, general website, which is got tons of information on it uh is uh, just goflca.com goflca.com keith just genuinely the work i uh, appreciate the work that you're doing and your time here on the show thank you so much for joining us okay take care uh, you and your listeners have a great weekend all right and, and when you visit the website uh, make a donation they're doing great work they don't take salaries they're driving spending their own dime to go up to Tallahassee doing great work and getting uh, great results. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon. Michael Cannon is the, uh, is the uh, uh, education director of education, I'm sorry, director of healthcare and uh, Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me back, Bob. Always a pleasure, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. 
The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We are neither of the right or the left. We are a consistent voice for individual liberty in all areas of life, which means we want the government to protect your life, liberty, and property from force and fraud. But otherwise, we want the government to leave you alone to make the... Uh, uh, to live your life the way that you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. Yeah, you know, uh, I think uh, my listeners, our listeners, understand that uh, I'm very much a libertarian and support the Cato Institute. I've got three guests per week that are on from the Cato Institute because I think they do such great work, including you, Michael. So the website is Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. So I understand you came out with uh, your colleague Jeff Singer with a blockbuster study about pharmaceutical drugs. Maybe you can tell us about it. So Jeff Singer is my uh, Cato Institute colleague, a senior fellow and a general surgeon in Phoenix, Arizona. And he came to me with this idea that we should do a study looking into the effect that uh, giving the FDA the power to require prescriptions for certain drugs has had on consumer safety. Now, the uh, stated rationale for giving the government the power to decide what, what drugs need prescriptions uh, is is consumer safety, that some drugs are just too dangerous for consumers to use uh, on their own without the guidance of a physician. Mm. But what we found is that in a lot of cases, a lot of counterintuitive things. Number one, in a lot of cases, the FDA requires prescriptions for drugs that are safe for consumers to use on their own. And when the FDA does that, what it does is it blocks access to essential medicines because face it, if you've got to take hours out of your day and spend hundreds of dollars to go visit your uh, primary care physician or an OBGYN, then that is going to block access to these medicines for a lot of people. Yep. Examples of these uh, essential medicines include insulin. You know, you can go up to Canada and without a prescription, you can buy any insulin product you want, but in the United States, you need a prescription for almost all insulin products. There's an antidote for opioid overdoses called naloxone. Mm -hmm. This is a life-saving drug with almost no side effects. Not only should it be available over the counter, it should be available in first aid kits and in vending machines and in little boxes in public places that say, in case of opioid overdose, break, break glass. Yeah. It's just that easy to use. It's just that safe. Yet the FDA requires a prescription for this drug. Uh, in, uh, in Italy, naloxone has been available over-the-counter since 1996. Mm -hmm. And another thing we found when you look at the way the FDA has used this power is that drug manufacturers, even though you'd think they would hate prescription requirements because that makes it harder for people to buy their drugs, uh, drug manufacturers tend to lobby the FDA to preserve the prescription requirements on the, the drugs they sell because that makes it easier for them to get insurance to cover it. And when insurance covers it, they can charge much higher prices. Well, you know, let me, uh, let me pile on here for a moment because, uh, I mean, there's no question. Oh, I have a friend who's uh, in the, this business. He manufactures and produces. Now, he created an over-the-counter uh, it's really great stuff. It's, uh, it prevents itching. It's really everybody should have it in their medicine cabinet. But he's uh, he's going to change the, the the primary molecule <laughs> in the formula so it could become prescribed, so he can charge much more and make more money. 
Oh, and that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, what we found when well, we looked at prices for hormones and oral contraceptives, remember how Obamacare requires everybody to purchase 100% full coverage for all FDA-approved prescription contraceptives. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened after that mandate went into effect and consumers became much less price-sensitive uh, when buying oral contraceptives is, the price for oral contraceptives skyrocketed. It is now double what it, it used to be before that mandate took effect, and it's uh, uh, the result of a combination of uh, the government requiring full insurance coverage for all prescription contraceptives and the FDA maintaining the prescription requirement for oral contraceptives. It shouldn't be there. There are a hundred countries in this world where women can buy oral contraceptives without a prescription. And yet, uh, and those countries include very repressive regimes like Cuba and China. Yeah. Yet the United States stands with Saudi Arabia in requiring women to obtain a prescription before buying oral contraception. Yeah, it's just amazing. And, and, you know, just to cut to the chase here, we'll just, uh, this may be a very difficult question, but I'd like to just uh, get an idea about how many drugs that require prescription probably should just be able to you buy them over the counter, which would be easier for the consumer, less expensive for the consumer. And I'm sure it cuts the revenue for doctors and for, for pharmaceutical companies, but there's a big number, isn't there? So uh, I've, uh, nobody knows what drugs should be available over the counter and which ones are prescription only. Uh, I mean, nobody, I don't think any, anyone has sufficient knowledge to come up with a list. Yep. But here's, what, here's the dynamic you want to put in place. You want to put in place a dynamic where, uh, where manufacturers have the freedom to make that decision themselves, and you want to have a... Uh, a tort system uh, where the government will punish manufacturers if they make drugs available in a way that is dangerous to patients. Yeah, like so Purdue, if for example. Incredibly, incredibly dangerous drugs over the counter, uh, then uh, and judges and juries decide that that is negligent and that they're jeopardizing public health. By all means. They, uh, the government should step in there. Well, there's this but, eight billion dollar settlement now with Purdue Pharmaceutical, uh, and uh, that actually required prescriptions. They were just over prescribing this stuff that's uh, for OxyContin. So, I mean, you need to have the the producer of the drug needs to have the uh, common sense and the health of and well being of the uh, society in their process to uh, to produce. And if they don't, they should be punished for it. I think that would be that is a much better approach than having the government decide what medicines uh, decide upfront what medicines you can take, what medicines you cannot take, what medicines you need to get the physician's prescription before you take. Yeah. Because when that happens, what the what the studies show is that that doesn't improve public health. It either has no effect on public health, in which case we should scrap that power, or it can even harm public health by yeah. causing patients to take riskier drugs than they would have otherwise because that drug is now coming with a physician's imprimatur. Yeah. You, uh, there are, there, uh, you know, and I can give you examples of, uh, that, that prove that a uh, physician's prescription is not a guarantee of safety uh-huh. and uh, cite other studies that show that people are less uh, are more careful when they are making these decisions by themselves and less careful 
when they are asked, when the government requires them to consult a physician because they end up taking uh, riskier drugs that they would not have taken. Absolutely. Michael Cannon, again, I just genuinely appreciate this study. This is so massively important, and I encourage our listeners to go to Cato.org. I'm sure the study is right there on the website, is it not, Michael? It is, at uh, cato.org slash drug reformation. Very good. Well, you know, again, this is, (laughs) I can't tell our listeners how big this is. It's so important, and unfortunately, you have vested interests in keeping drugs uh, prescribed, and uh, it could be a lot easier for the consumer, a lot less expensive uh, if, in fact, people paid attention to what you've produced here. It's just outstanding work. Again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet, Bob. Anytime. Thank you very much, Mike. We'll have Michael back next week. Hey, very interesting stuff. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and that's just one of the initiatives you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton, and tell us about less government. Uh, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a big it's a big market. <laughs> it keeps getting bigger. You know, I just I love the media that kind of, I think we talked about this on Tuesday. They're they're simultaneously criticizing Trump for the huge deficits and. Being angry at him for not spending more on stimulus. It's really quite something. It is something. Well, you know what? You wrote a great column about Supreme Court justices. They're supposed to be justices, not fortune tellers. That's, And I want to talk to you about that. But also, this whole Section 230, what's happening with Facebook and uh, Twitter, I mean, that they are actually manipulating the news. This happens in third world countries uh, when you... Yeah. They think, well... The, well this is not new. Robert Epstein is a, is a was in 2016. He's a he's a, a 
PhD in several things. He's a he's a lifelong Democrat. He was a Hillary Clinton supporter. He's studied tech for years, and he did a study. and He said in 2016, Google manipulated six million votes for Hillary Clinton. Ugh. And you know that's you know this year we're focusing on Twitter and Facebook because they're block outright blocking stories. What Google can do is much more behind the scenes. They just tweet their secret search algorithm, and we don't know what we're not seeing and what we're seeing. Right. Uh, real quick, I write a re- I write reports every week, uh, uh, searching for where my stories appear. And my story, I, I do three searches for the report. I use Bing, I use DuckDuckGo, and I use Google. And let me tell you, DuckDuckGo and Bing usually look about the same. Google is completely different. Hmm. It's completely different. Red State doesn't even appear on the first page of searches in many in many instances. Huh. That's well. That's where, of course, where most of your blogs are. That's posted. where I write my stuff. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I, I should have clarified. No, no, but uh, yeah, I mean, if I put the title of the piece in and I wrote it on Red State, and Red State doesn't show up till the second search page, what does that t- tell you? Google's doing that tells me they're manipulating and uh, they're trying to they're trying to spoon feed liberal ideas and suppress uh, conservative ideas. That's what I think. Yeah, real quick, there was a, I was I remember in 2016 when the when the uh, Hillary Clinton email story broke the th- where she deleted 33,000 emails and it would look like she might get indicted and you went to Google and typed in uh Hillary Clinton IND as it indicted they didn't suggest indicted. They suggested India it, it, and Indiana. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember I searched for Hillary Clinton, Indiana, at least a half dozen times. Unbelievable. And then you go to the, the fun part was you go to the, you can actually look at Google Trends. They offer you the, the trend what's trending on their searches, and they offer India and Indiana. But then you go to Google Trends, and of course, they're both completely flatlined. No one's searching for them. So, give us what what should we do about Section Two Thirty? Because, quite frankly, breaking up—I I know they're going to uh, divide up uh, Google. I get that, but well, here's here's the thing: this is a giant crony gift to Google and Facebook and Twitter. This is a giant crony gift to big tech. If you try to manipulate what they do within the confines of the gift, anything you do is the government trying to control the private speech. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you can't do that. There's no way to mend Section 230. You have to end it. You think that's a solution, then? And then they should uh, be... They have to. You have to. Because anything you try to do, when you try to... If the government goes to the Google and says, you need to stop manipulating your searches against conservatives, you're, it's the government dictating speech. Right. The, you can't do that. Yeah. There, the there is a, there is a comment. There's a section two thirty is to get out from under section two thirty. So there's a, there's a, there's a common sense argument for section two thirty, which basically is uh, you can uh, your platform for sharing ideas. Uh, we don't want you to put up uh, you know salacious or uh, you know d- well, it's, information it's that should be in print. Party content, right? Um, which means it's not for it's not to protect you if you put up bad stuff. It's to protect you if third-party people, right. regular non-employees, put up bad stuff. Right. But here's the thing: you know, there's, everyone says, "Oh, well, all the all the defenders, the, the internet's built on Section 230." No, 
big tech is built on Section 230. Right. If Facebook went away tomorrow, would the Earth spin off its axis no. and into the sun? No. No. No, it would not. So, gee, we wouldn't have giant collaborative... You know, we lo- in, in fact, I think the world would be markedly improved if Twitter and, and Facebook went away. <laughs> Seaton, I just genuinely appreciate your point of view. Can you quickly give us all your thoughts about the uh, uh, justices? Oh, yeah. I read a, um, well, I saw an ad from Joe Biden, about, uh, you know, lying about Trump trying to take away health care in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Uh, because, they've, you know, they've sued, along with 17 states, I think, uh, sued to undo Obamacare because they're saying it's unconstitutional. You don't have the mandate. Now you're, you know, you don't have the tax. Now you have the mandate. It's unconstitutional. You've, it's called severability. It's a, legi- it's a legal term for legislation. Right. And they're suing at the Supreme Court saying it's unconstitutional. And Biden's basically saying, we need it, we need it, we need it. Well, what, the point I'm trying to make was the Supreme Court's job, the justice's job, is not to look at the ramifications of their decision unless it's to the Constitution. Their only job is to look at the wall that they're, 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 that's brought before them and determine whether or not it's constitutional. Right. That's it. Right. Now, fortunately, the Constitution is the best written document in the history of humanity, and if you adhere to it, good things usually redound. Now, I read an article, that we talked about Google versus uh, Oracle, where Google stole 11,500 lines of Java code. And the justices, the, the way that was, the, the story was written, and it's, prob- you know, it's probably representative, the justices' questioning clearly revealed they were worried about the ramifications of in- to innovation of their decision. Mm-hmm. That's not their job. Yeah. Their job isn't to worry about the ramifications to innovation. Right. Their job is to say, did Google, what was what Google did to Oracle legal? Right. And you know and what? For the Constitution, copyright clause, it wasn't legal. Right. That's it. Uh, that's, the, that's their job. End of story. But, of course, you'll take a look at the decision around Obamacare uh, by the uh, Chief Justice and, uh, you know, how he, Roberts and how he, he, yeah. and he looked at the ramifications. He didn't look at the law. The law was totally unconstitutional, and right. uh, he avoided the issue in order to, I think, appease and He made stay an the argument the Obama lawyers didn't make. Yeah. It's a tax. Yeah. They didn't say that. Yeah. He made it for them. Yeah. So, so it he wasn't, wasn't being a justice; he was being an attorney on one side of the case. So we should be hearing about the uh, Oracle case pretty soon, shouldn't oh, we? I don't know when they'll decide. There's still, I don't know. Um, I'm reading this is going to take a while. I, I, I'm not entirely sure because yeah. you know how these things go. They they argue them for a day in front of the court, and then the, the next day they hear another case or two or three, right. and then you know months later. They extrude the decision whenever they extrude the decision. Uh, you, you, you never really know. So this is critical, but probably not urgent. They do announce the urgent decisions, for example, uh, whether immigration issues oh, yeah, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. So, well, things that are pending, like, you know, the, the, they ruled that, the, you know, the, Trump's taxes, they couldn't go after Trump's taxes because they, they were waiting in a, in a lower court. Right. But this has been going on for 10 years, so maybe... We're past the expiration date on urgent on this one. Yeah, so it's not urgent, but it is critically important in terms of uh, the intangible or the... Uh, this, this, is, this is one where I want them to measure twice and cut once. Exactly. Yes. All right. Uh, Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. LessGovernment.org is the website, and you can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your so animated and interesting commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting...
uh, with uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us Bill Barnett. He's the former mayor of Naples. Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, Bob, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, Yeah, I am. uh, We are are back in Naples. I was going to uh, have Linda, uh, your bride, come on, and I would give her a complete traffic report. We kept count of every car carrier we saw. Uh, <laughs> we checked all the license plates out, and that's from western New York uh, all the way down uh, through Virginia and then ending up on 95. I will tell you, we did see, we saw quite a few car carriers on the way down, um, but it, it wasn't, the traffic was not bad at all. The huh. only little bottleneck we had was South Carolina on 95. Um, you know, it was really slow for a while. And then when that opens up to six lanes, we rolled. I mean, uh, uh, made, made very, very good time. So they're not here yet. 
Yeah. Well, uh, it, traffic has increased, and I must say, with regard to your report, I recall driving up to Boston from from our home here in Naples, and uh, it, it, it was bumper-to-bumper bumper traffic all the way from, I think, about uh, Richmond, Virginia, all the way up to to uh, Boston. So. Wow. Uh, it, it could be it could be very very difficult. I think our average speed probably during that time was less than 40, 40 miles an hour. So, uh, yeah. Well, do you remember a couple of years ago we made the mistake of uh, this is many years ago of staying up in uh, in Lake Placid uh, a little longer than normal, and we decided we'd come back in November, but we didn't realize and we never gave it a second thought that um, it was Thanksgiving weekend, and oh. it was brutal. The minute we hit ninety five. Uh, like you just said, Bob, it was like uh, Walmart's parking lot on Christmas Eve, yep. man. I mean, you you couldn't move. So you just, you know, you, you pick and choose. And But the, the good news is we're back in, I can't say sunny Naples, but we're back in Naples. Yeah, it is a little bit cloudy today, but it's uh, going to be a beautiful day. Weather has, I think, broken finally, Bill. So I think you came back at the right time. Well, I hope so. And last night we were thinking about you because we were your your yeah, I can say your favorite restaurant last night. You were at Blue, Blue Provence. Blue Provence, yeah, it's just absolutely a great experience uh, every time you go. So uh, it's yeah, a wonderful they, experience. They, they they don't miss. Well, um, yesterday. Well, first of all, I'm sure you're going to be glued to the TV tonight. Yes. The uh, it's going to be so interesting to the debate. Of course, uh, I don't know how this is going to do. I think they're doing everything in their power to uh, control the behavior of the president of the United States. I don't know if they're going to be successful or not. <laughs> well, they they had said I thought it was going to be like muted the whole time they could mute it, but now I understand it's only at the beginning. It's only for like two minutes that they could mute. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. You might know more than I do. No. It, well, I, I I don't know. I my my understanding is they're going to get two minutes to talk about a topic. Then they'll come back each two minutes each, and then they'll be able to have a discussion around that topic. So that will be open okay. mic on both sides. Should be uh, quite quite interesting indeed. But nevertheless, I mean, I don't know if you're following any of these stories with regard to. Uh, social media and the press and what they're covering and not covering. Old Joe's got some real trouble here because the, these these emails that uh, Hunter Biden's uh, laptop, I think, is a big explosive story. What are your thoughts? Well, that you did, we were talking about it last night with some friends of ours, but are they going to get into that computer or not, and if so, when? Uh-huh. Well, uh, what's interesting is Rudy Giuliani's dropped it off uh, with the uh, Delaware police so because there's inappropriate activity with a young person, under, uh, underage person. So that's there. And then the uh, apparently the FBI says that they actually did a, a request for the computer. What's the word? I've forgotten. But they, they got the computer because they're doing an investigation on money laundering. My question is, why is everything happening so slowly? It all seems to be time to the uh, election. Yeah, well, I, I think tonight some of the questions that should be asked, I'm hoping, are asked. Yep. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll certainly find out. I, um, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, even though you don't want to hear it, I guess that they're, they're uh, making uh, uh, Biden as a, a, almost a two-to-one favorite. Now, I don't think that means much, but that's what the latest was. Well. So everything you know what i mean i do well so so any good scoop in naples yeah oh my gosh <laughs> so yesterday uh you know i had told you that 
Naples, they were going to be in big trouble with the city attorney because uh, they didn't renew his contract. They, they were going to get an interim attorney. And it, it came up yesterday, and uh, it seems like the mayor went out on our own uh, uh, volition and uh, uh, had, uh, you know the expression, uh, parking lot job, Bob? I don't. You ever heard that? No. Well, that's when a deal is made out there in the parking lot before you get into the meeting. Gotcha. Um, and it, it seems like that she had that all set up. She had some new firms that called in uh, for an interim attorney, and they gave a whole pitch. And, and Chris and I were watching it. with. I mean, we were, our jaws were, had dropped. The bottom line is, is that council, the majority of council, not her and not Mr. McCabe, voted to Jim Fox and Russell and Andres for a year. They have a contract for a year now in the city's best interest and good for them. But she voted no. She wanted her own people in there because she's had bad blood with uh, she's never liked the city attorney as it is. And, and believe me, our city attorney has done a tremendous job. But it was really interesting if you get a chance to uh, go online because they post those uh-huh. and just watch that segment. Uh, it was fascinating. So there's going to be some kickback. I can guarantee you that. Uh, a lot of feedback on this one. So, but uh, she uh, so runs her I, own show, does what she wants. And so if I understand, did you say that they actually did renew uh, the, the city attorney for another year? Yes, that's my understanding. He's got a, uh, they, they, they gave him a contract for a year. And uh, they can go find themselves an interim attorney. But if you saw this presentation from these other attorneys, and some of them were very, very well presented. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, they weren't uh, just pulled out of somewhere. So Ms. Uh, Mayor Heitman uh, had, had, had done some work on that, and she was all set to pull the plug and get them rolling and have someone new in here. And she had all the bases covered. The uh, unfortunate thing for her was the rest of council didn't buy it. So interesting. Uh, well, that uh, it, I think at least that we know that the city's going to have good counsel for another year. We'll see how this goes. I know yes. I don't want her problem is with the current attorney, but uh, I guess I don't know if we'll ever find out. Did she? Did well, she? Well, her, her her problem with the with the current attorney is like her problem with a lot of other things. Um, you know, it's it's just it's the, the old conspiracy theory, Bob, and that's never going to go away. Yeah, never going to go away. Everything is a conspiracy. So interesting. So, well, Bill, yep. you know, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, and uh, just uh, nice to get get a perspective on what's happening in the world and in Naples. As usual, just grateful you're back here in Naples, and thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, Bob, it's always my pleasure. Um, uh, give your bride a hug for us, and uh, we'll speak. We'll speak to you next week. Look forward to it. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a uh, wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Learned a lot. Uh, some terrific guests. Uh, we've got great guests for tomorrow. William Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be visiting with him. Reverend Van Ellison doing a great job for St. Matthew's House, and I certainly support St. Matthew's House. They've got a, a new facility opening. We'll find out about that. Phil Kirpin will be joining us as well. He's all, also uh, uh, the president of a think tank in Washington, D.C. And then Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, uh, Phil's uh, organization is called American Commitment as, uh, as 
as a matter of fact. So uh, we got a great show for tomorrow. I always appreciate your feedback. If you'd like to receive a copy of the newsletter, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>